0: Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy, and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC, and when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Caram. Tune in and enjoy. You're listening to Rowan Prant Method, where myself and a unique guest discuss topics that I'm interested in and that you might find relevant to your life, past, present, or future. Now, today, we don't have a guest. I was meant to do a pre-recording earlier this week, but life got in the way. And I had a workshop that I was doing this afternoon and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to come in and do it anyway because sometimes life gets in the way but you still have to do what needs to be done. And I've had a couple of excuses, you know, they've all been realistic, they've all been things that have, you know, anyone would justify as a reason not to do the things that I really should be doing and I have to call myself on that shit. So here I am to do episode four of a solo, so... The list is getting smaller. For those of of you that have been uh, tuning in for these solo episodes, we were doing 100 and something reasons why you feel like crap and that you think your life sucks. And we got up to 115 the last time that we actually did a broadcast, which I think was a month ago when it was a solo episode. So we're starting off at 116. I'm going to have to add things to this list as we go because, as I said, we are running out of things. So it's going to be a bit of improv as we do this. So 116, you do not celebrate your uniqueness. So it's very interesting when you look at human beings, everyone wants a certain element of significance. and They also want an element of connection. They're both important values or core needs that we all have. It's a very common life coaching principle. So everyone wants to fit in, but at the same time, they want to be different. So the fact that you're unique and you might look at things differently, or you might have a unique set of skills compared to someone else is actually a really good thing because you don't want to just be the same as everybody else. So your past experiences, your qualifications, your views, everything else that's come together to make you and integrate you as an individual is unique perspective. And you should celebrate that because the way that you look at things may be similar to me. Maybe we resonate and have a little bit of rapport, but it's your unique way. And that way means that you are the only person that can be you. And that's a great thing to celebrate. So celebrate that fact that you are different to the average person. 117, you don't share your story. So this is a good one. This is something that I've been considering for a while because I believe that stories are powerful, not only the stories that we share with other people about ourselves and our own unique experiences, but the stories that we tell ourselves about those experiences that make up our identity and how we interact with the world and how it really shapes our experience. Putting this into perspective Two people could do skydiving, but the way that they would experience it and the story they would tell themselves about it would be completely and utterly different. It's exactly the same as looking at failure. One person may view it as an opportunity to learn and grow. Another person may look at it as being absolute and that they suck and can't do anything and they'll be too scared to try again. But in terms of the story that you share with the world, it is a great tool to connect. I think particularly with social media, there are so many people out there that are trying to put on this image that they are perfection and on this topic of perfection the average man and the average woman when it comes to body beautification for example they have to compete with people that are usually enhanced so say taking some form of performance enhancement drug and they've sh- uh, photoshopped their pictures and they've chosen the best lighting and now they've actually had something released where apparently there was an OnlyFans fans page where a woman that wasn't actually a woman though an AI generated image had thousands of followers and it was generating so much money and people were losing their minds that they were competing with something that wasn't actually real. It was CGI that was created by AI. So that's the point that we're at now. So perfection realistically doesn't exist. But still, everyone wants to present this to the world and I see this even in mental health scenarios when there are so many people out there that they've got the mask on and they're going to work and they're doing all these things and they're saying the right things and they're presenting themselves as really successful – And then everyone's comparing themselves to that. They're not sharing their their negatives, the failures, the insecurities, the fears, the things that have come up along the way, the hurdles that they've had to overcome, that adversity that they had to face, whether it be real or simply just perceived. These anxieties that we all go through, the fact that, you know, even the best relationships that you look at, they still have arguments. Even the people with jobs, that you know, they're high achievers. They still have days that they don't hit a PB, There's all these things that a lot of people aren't considering when it comes to stories. So, when you share your story with other people, it's a great way to connect because there are many people out there, and I do this when I do a lot of facilitation with workshops. I get people to engage instead of just listening to me the whole time, there's a lot of interaction. And they'll share unique things about themselves. Some things might be overly personal and we won't do it. So it's only when someone's feeling safe. Uh, a lot of those things, I'll just get them to cultivate some introspection and think about it. But if it's okay to share, let just share their experience. An example of this would be, we we're talking about stresses in the workplace. And people started sharing things that stress them out and how they actually cope with that stress. And the feedback that I got at the end was a lot of people saying, you know what? So-and-so that I don't even know has got similar experiences to me. And he has some of the same struggles. There's connection instantly. That's the power of stories because it gives you the ability to relate to other people. And when we say stories, we don't mean tall stories, the exaggerated stories where it puts us in the limelight and everything's amazing and sunshine and rainbows. I mean, connecting with the human experience and humanizing the fact that we all have struggles, we all have hopes, we all have flaws, we all have dreams, we have setbacks, we have issues, we have traumas, you name it. We've all had bad coping strategies in the past. It's part of the human experience. And I think that needs to be normalized. It's why it's so good seeing people in the mental health space that are being mental health advocates on various topics, sharing their experience. It's a great way for connection. It's a great avenue for raising awareness, but there's also elements where you need tools and things that you can actually implement in real time to change your situation. So when it comes to stories as well on this topic, it's something I'm very passionate about. Everyone's looking for the success story. So when someone's in their rut, when they're at rock bottom, People sympathize and feel sorry for them and maybe show some empathy and they can relate, but they don't really connect with them on that level. They don't come down to that level because it is very confronting. People usually connect with the story when it's a success story and we need to normalize what success really looks like. The fact that there's peace and there's troughs, that there's always going to be setbacks. For example, I've been doing, share one of mine here. This is a funny one that I actually had a really good laugh about. I hope some people find some enjoyment in this. I've done probably a couple of months ago, I ended up doing 12 presentations in four weeks. Most of them went quite well. Feedback I got was great. I felt pretty good about it. Did I feel stressed before some of them? Absolutely. Did I feel like I made mistakes? Absolutely. And I feel the same way when I do these things here, these live recordings. And we don't edit anything, it's all raw stuff. So if I do mumble through my words or look like an idiot, it's just part of the process, part of the human experience, if you like. But yeah, I did 12 and I've done probably another 20 or so since that little bit of a sprint and pretty good success rate. Everything was going well. And then recently I did a presentation. Let me go back a step. There was a couple of incidents where slides didn't work. So I prepared the slides the night before, took a presentation last minute, even though I had one that day. And I went to do the presentation, turned up, put the slides in, slides wouldn't work. The computer system was down. And that happened a couple of times in the one week. So I said, look, no more slides. Anyway, fast forward to a week or so ago, I was doing this presentation, an online one, which is not something that I do very many of. Uh, I have done a bunch of similar things, but mostly my stuff is face-to-face. Anyway, this online presentation booked it in going through and there was no way for me to engage because I wasn't the host so I basically got put into this environment I had no idea how many people were watching I couldn't see anyone's screens to track like I don't mind if they have their screen off but I'd like to have an indication of how many people are there anyway I couldn't see anyone I couldn't read the messages in the chat I didn't have access to that so whenever I was asking a question or doing an activity no one could actually respond or give me an answer and the person that was hosting it turn theirs off as well. So I literally was just staring at a blank screen, talking for an extended period of time. And this is okay doing this because I know that I'm not talking to anyone, but when you're engaging a crowd and you're giving them activities and you're asking questions and then you're saying, for example, all right, we're going to do this for how long? Uh, I don't know, for the next minute. I'm like, I assume that you're all done. And it was nerve-wracking. I did not feel good about it. It was just a really uncomfortable experience. But, you know, you have to have those things as a part of life. It, it happens. Sometimes things go wrong and sometimes you're faced with stress. Sometimes you have anxiety. All these things happen and there are tools that we will get into in the future how to manage these – un. what's the word I'm looking for? unresourceful states that might be resourceful in certain areas. So we don't really want to be experiencing anxiety when we have to do a presentation or have a difficult conversation or for some people answer an email or go to the shops. But nonetheless, they do occur from time to time. So we will look at some options for people to actually navigate around that. But yeah, stories. Share these stories. Share your failures. Share the obstacles that you've faced. Share the struggles that you've had. Share the solutions that you've found. This is gonna help other people with similar experiences. It's really gonna help with connection because if you're wearing a mask the whole time, it's very difficult to connect. And talking about the difference between connection and significance, it's a topic that comes up a bit. Everyone wants to be significant, but the more significant you are, particularly if you're putting an unrealistic image of yourself out into the world with a mask, it's very difficult to connect because it causes disconnection. So I encourage you to share your struggles, share your story. There's power in that story. Number 118, you don't do what needs to be done. So sometimes stuff needs to be done. You're making agreements with yourself. You're making agreements with other people. Some days you don't feel good. Some days you're particularly stressed. You know, I want you to channel your inner single mum that's studying and working full-time or dad, for anyone really, that's in that situation where they have to pay bills They've got a goal at the same time and they've still got kids they have to look after. All the parents out there that can relate to the fact that when you feel like crap or you're tired and you've had a bad day and your kid's sick and they need dinner or whatever it is, you have to still be a parent. You'd never retire from being a parent. When you're feeling down, tired, anything like that, there are things that still need to be done. You need to channel that. Certain things need to be done all the time, but a lot of people base their actions on their emotions and their feelings and they're like, you know, I don't feel like it today. I'm less concerned with what you do when you feel like it more concerned with the things at the other end of the spectrum, when you don't feel like it, when it's actually a hard day, when you're struggling for whatever reason, when things haven't gone right, when you've struggled through traffic, when you've had all these things. Otherwise, there's always a reason not to do the thing that you should be doing and sometimes even the things that you want to be doing. So start doing the things that need to be done. Most of them really aren't that hard. You just make them bigger than they need to be. And you don't have to feel good doing everything that you do. There are some things out there, for example, that don't feel good for you, but are good for others, good for the community, good for the greater good, good for your family, et cetera. Those things just need to be done regardless of how you feel about them. And there are other things that you might be lucky that feel great, but are also good for yourself, good for other people, good for the community, et cetera. You should be doing both of those things. They should be the priority. 119. You don't continue to grow. I know so many people in every industry, whether it be coaches, whether it be even medical practitioners, whether it be someone, an expert in their field, They just their knowledge is static. They did a course. They have a particular way of doing things they did many years ago, and that's how they've always done it. And that's just how they do it. They just think that's it. And with the information that's coming through now and with new experiences and new experts and with social media and everything else, there's so much information. I'm not saying all of it's right. There are good things that come with that, but there are also some negatives with misinformation, et cetera. But that's also questionable about what the definition is of misinformation. But – Thinking that you're done, like self-development, for example, you meditate for 30 days, for example, and you never have to meditate again. It's not true. It's something that's ongoing you have to do. Same with gym. You're continuously training. I don't care how fit you were when you're in your 20s. I want to see you crushing at being able to do all the things that you want to do in your 30s, 40s, 50s, later in life. And you've got a full health span, not just a lifespan. And when you're learning something, from my experience, I'm always learning. I'm always doing new courses. I'm always engaging with new uh, coaches. I'm always looking for new information. But the biggest part is applying that information as well. I had a great seminar that I did with a a friend of mine, Brian. He uh, he did amazing. Uh, I forgot the name of his program. It'll come to me but it was an exceptional program. I did it. It was great to take the coaching hat off and I got a lot out of it. A lot of the things that I already knew or had heard of before, but I wasn't doing the work myself in that particular area. But in terms of the last six months, I've done that much work personally and professionally. It's crazy and I'm still learning and I don't know what I'll be teaching in the next six months, even with things that I've done for many years. And I encourage everyone to pursue that because anyone that I know that's good at what they do, they're always looking to continue learning and growing and whatever it may be. 120, you expect other people to think like you. This is an interesting one. I love looking at different people and understanding why they have their view. For example, you might have someone who is a vegan and you might have someone who's a carnivore. One might be choosing a particular way of eating for ethical reasons. Another one might be doing it for inflammatory reasons or things that they believe will affect their health. Where are they getting their information from? Many of them boast the same health benefits. They say they have better sleep, all these different things, completely different views. And if you expect everyone to think the way that you do, and this goes back to when we're talking about people's uniqueness, you're, going to, you're fighting a losing battle. You can't expect people to do that. Yes, there are going to be some similarities and some overlap and you'll generally draw those people to you. But everyone's different and that's a great thing. You can literally learn from everyone that you meet on the street, in public, anywhere at all, even reading random comments on the internet, you can continuously learn from other people. From their unique set of skills, experiences, their habits, behaviours, the story that they've told themselves, it's a different lens on life. So don't expect other people to think the same way as you do. Number 121. You don't... I had to read that. Sorry, I rushed this handwriting after. Uh, sorry, as soon as I got here. You do not choose your company. This is a big factor. So the quote, I'm probably going to butcher it here. It's something along the lines of, you are the sum total of the five people that you hang around with. And they sort of say, if you hang around five people that are overweight you'll probably be the sixth if you hang around five people that are investing and focusing on financial freedom you'll probably be the sixth same with billionaires etc all those things you really do pick up habits traits stories words language everything else from the people that you surround yourself mannerisms etc etc and I'm not saying that you need everyone to be exactly like you. And I'm not saying that anyone that isn't like you isn't a good person and you shouldn't be spending time with and that they should conform with you. I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape or form, but you need to surround yourself with people that are aligned with your values, with the things that you care about, because that's going to give you the, the confidence at times when you have doubts or when you don't feel like it. So if all your friends are going to the gym and then one day you don't feel like going to the gym they're going to encourage you to go to the gym. If health and fitness is one of your priorities, and none of your friends want to do that, they're going to say, don't do that, come to the pub. Yeah, this is an example of this. And it depends, like there's a lot of people out there that maybe they celebrate through using alcohol and other things like that. And that's how they enjoy themselves, which is fine. We've all been there at some point, And you know, there's nothing wrong with that, whether it's in a healthy dose, each to their own. But if you don't want that, you kind of need other people around you that are backing the values that you have. It's going to, support your values going to encourage you to continue doing the things that are important to you over time when things get hard so i encourage you be mindful of who you spend your time with and that not just who you spend your time with but what you expose yourself to what sort of information you're viewing now i'm actually going to come back to this a a little bit later about what you're exposed to in terms of information with social media etc because we're constantly bombarded with data all the time through our five senses whether you are you know sight sound touch, taste, the works, feel, like the things that you can feel. Our reticular activating system is filtering through this information at any one time. And your life is very much like the algorithm that you have on social media. So you'll notice that if you like cat videos, you're going to get all these suggestions for cat videos, and that's fine. We all love cats. Maybe some people don't. But if you're into personal development things, then you're probably going to get a lot of that coming through. So how are you spending your time? Are you spending your time watching mindless things or are you spending your time choosing things that are actually going to make you grow, that are going to help you improve. So choosing who you spend your time with and where you spend your time are important things. 122, you can't sit in silence. This is an interesting one and let me explain it. Many years ago, when I was a teenager, many of you that know, it's pretty reckless, really struggled with regulation. I thought, you know what, I couldn't sit through a movie without my legs jigging and jumping around and uh, doing something. I was always doing something. There's a lot of people out there that really struggle with sitting still. So the solution is to sit in silence and do something like meditation, but you're still doing something. You are still having focused attention or awareness on one particular thing. And there is definitely a time and place for that. I'm a huge advocate for meditation, mindfulness in general, yoga, nidra, transcendental meditation. There's many different methods, and I think there are so many benefits to it. I teach it, and I use it all myself. But sitting in silence and seeing what comes up, because sometimes negative emotions come up. And we have this relationship with negative emotions where we think they have to be feared, people either numb them, they run away from them, they express them in negative ways, they try and have strategies to manage them, which is important when things need to be done. For example, if you have to do a particular task or do a presentation and you have some negative emotions, you need tools to come into place for you to be able to navigate through that experience and still perform at your best. Same for the athlete that needs to perform in a game or something like that. They need tools and strategies for them not to let their emotions get the best of them so they can continue to keep moving forward but there's also a time and a place for holding space for yourself not scrolling mindlessly through your phone sitting with that uncomfortableness and i've known a lot of people that say you know that's terrifying and i feel like crap so they switch straight to the doing so there's a concept with cognitive behavioral therapy And there's a lot of different approaches. Some people think the top-down approach for regulating emotions and negative experiences works and other people believe the bottom-up. So bottom-up would be regulating the nervous system through something like breath work as a way to escape or manage negative emotions, which would be great at something like that if you have to perform at work in a task or on sporting or something like that. That is one way to do it. And then you can think clearly because you've regulated your nervous system. The other thing is to sit in that discomfort without doing breathing exercises or without doing uh, something like uh, meditation or something, to just sit and see what comes up. Yeah. To sit in that moment and experience it for what it is. It's about being present and it can be quite uncomfortable because negative experiences can come up, memories, trauma, thoughts, all sorts of things. A lot of shame for some people does come up, but I think it's an important part of the human experience. I encourage you if you do have something that is severe traumatic something you've been avoiding something that a lot of people that have been faced with addiction have been going through trying to avoid these unpleasant experiences and then when they get sober they have to face the things that they're running from as well as all the things that have happened as a result of the maladaptive coping strategies so i encourage again look at getting some form of intervention through a counselor psychologist psychiatrist support groups whatever it may be but Sit in discomfort every now and then. We have to be okay with that and see what comes up. It's an important part of the healing process, so do not deny yourself that experience. 124, you need someone to hold your hand all the time. Don't get me wrong, I think everyone needs support. They need various levels of support, various layers, so they've got people immediately to them. And you can turn to different people for support from di- in different ways. Maybe for some person, you just want that person to hold space with you and connect, and you don't want a solution. You just want to vent and express your feelings, and we all need those people in our lives because – you know, we have to express emotions. We're human beings and emotions, both positive and negative, are part of the human experience. Maybe you have other people that you're looking for, for guidance, maybe it be a coach or a mentor or just a particular friend that's knowledgeable and knows you quite well and you're looking for solutions. So that's another part of support. But you don't need someone to hold your hand all the time. I know a lot of people that feel that they need what's the term that I'm looking for? They need someone else to give them the clear, like the the go sign that it's okay to go. They're always looking for that validation. It leads to a lot of inactivity and it also means you need someone else to sort of affirm that you're in a position to act and move and do the things that you want to do. You need to make your own decisions. You can get support when it's outside your scope and you need some assistance or you're at a certain point where you need some extra intervention or you're going through a difficult period, by all means, seek support. But there's plenty of stuff that you can do on your own and continue moving forward. You do not need someone to hold your hand. There's plenty of things that you can do. You've overcome every obstacle that's ever come your way up until this point. So start taking, making some decisions and start taking action. 125, you forget the desired outcome. This is a funny one when I look at people looking at conflict resolution or even parents out there that are trying to communicate with their children. For example, they might want a child to clean their room or they want them to do a particular piece of behaviour and this could also relate to when you're having a disagreement with someone. Do you want them – are you trying to change the behaviour of the child – or are you just trying to be right? So you coming in and using punishment and extreme consequences and a heightened tone which causes more stress is like you might get the result where they reluctantly do it because you've overwhelmed them because you're an adult and you get the desired outcome. But it's really having a negative impact on the child and they're probably going to have a negative association with that experience later in the future. It leads to all sorts of trauma later on. Trauma is not just physical abuse as we've talked about in the past with episodes with Adela Holmes, but getting the right outcomes so having a regulated child that is capable of doing things on their own that's an important step and don't get me wrong we're all human people get frustrated people have bad days etc but having the desired outcome in mind so people might send their kid to their room to clean the room and i don't know most kids that i know really don't do a really good job at cleaning their room i know i certainly didn't and then the parent gets frustrated that they've been in there for ages and the kids just playing with random things and not cleaning their room simply if the parent is doing a little bit of extra time and then the parent might get frustrated and go, I'll just have to clean the room. I'll just clean it. I'll just get it done because I don't want to do the argument. And then the kid doesn't clean the room. So there's no real connection. There's no bond. However, if you clean the room with the child, chances are you will probably do most of the cleaning to be fair, but you've just made cleaning an ability to connect a way for them to connect with you. And they also associate cleaning with positive emotions, which means they're probably more likely to clean in the future when they become healthy, regulated adults and, you know, have the skills and strategies that you're hoping that they will learn from you as a parent steering the ship. But at the same time, you've also achieved the desired outcome where the room is actually clean, yeah? And in disagreements, do you want to be right Or do you want to get the result? So always keep the result in mind because there are many methods. The concepts are generally few. Uh, I got that approach from Andrew Huberman. But keep the desired goal in mind. Another way to look at this is many people come to me and they're, maybe they're looking at fitness, for example, and I, I love this. Use fitness as an example when people say, you don't want to get fit. When we really probe into it, they really don't want to be fit because I say, what's your definition of fitness? Because if I get a power lifter, I get an ultra marathon runner, an MMA fighter and a bodybuilder and the 80-year-old guy who does line dancing and gardening and ask them what their definition of fitness is, they're all going to have different answers. And then when we really get to the bottom of it, they probably don't even want to be fit. They just want to look fit. Yeah, that's that's a lot of people out there that don't really have health as a priority. So people might say, you know, should I be doing running? And then I always say, you know, what's the goal? If your goal is to be able to have an increased cardiorespiratory rate and the fact that you can run for an extended period of time and have a high aerobic threshold, then yes, do that. If you want mileage in your legs so that you can consistently move, it's great. If you want to regulate your breathing and do it as a stress management strategy to be present, there's so many benefits to it. If you're looking for body composition, it is not the ideal solution. Same as when people say, you know, my weight isn't going up on the bar. If they're focusing on strength, then yes, we have to look at that, but it's different to hypertrophy. So having the goal in mind, the desired outcome makes it a lot easier to choose the right methods and interventions. And it's the same with anything. If you're trying to develop a business, people say that they want more money, but when they really want more money, they usually don't want the money. They want what they think money will give them, which is usually freedom. And if they have to work 80, 90 hours per week, and they don't have control over their time, and they're making a lot of money, but they can't enjoy it or utilize it in any way, shape, or form, probably not the trade-off they're looking for. Some people want more time, et cetera. So getting clear on the desired outcome, what you would like to achieve, can sort of be a bit of a moral compass for you to decide on what you want to do and what steps to take to fulfill that need and meet that goal. 126, you think in absolutes. So there are many people out there that are black and white. Everything is just, it's either this or it's not. It's either good or it's bad. The whole yin-yang approach, you know, there's a little bit of good in the bad and there's a little bit of bad in the good. There's pros and cons to absolutely everything that you do in life. So something you can do when choosing direction that you want to take in, you can look at all the pros and cons of taking this particular direction and making this particular choice. And you can choose all the pros and cons on the other side for not making that decision and not going in that particular direction. That's another way of looking at it. And you can weigh up the pros and cons of each because they are there and then you can make an informed decision. The pros and cons of action, the pros and cons of inaction or maybe another method, yeah? So don't think of absolutes. Also, with absolutes, I think this is relevant, so I'm going to talk about it. You can always find problems if you look hard enough for them and you can always find blessings if you look hard enough for them. There's been many times in my life where I've had so many great things going for me and I still had a negative mindset for whatever reason. Don't get me wrong, there were some struggles and everyone goes through them. But the negative mindset really didn't serve me. Whereas now I've had some challenges that have popped up that are, you know, have been quite stressful. But my mindset, felt like I feel totally blessed with all the things. There are some bad days that I might have a pity party based on a few things that have come up. But... Yeah, the blessings are amazing. So don't think in absolutes. There are pros and cons to absolutely everything in life. And it's your choice whether you want to look at the pros. When it comes to decision-making and things that you have control over, weigh up the pros and cons. But if you have absolutely no choice, then it's probably better that you focus on the pros because that's going to give you a more positive outlook. 127, you take yourself too seriously. I have been guilty of this, and I know many people that do, people that are so easily offended, people that, you know, believe that just, they just can't handle rejection, they can't handle, you know, someone making a negative comment. It's funny. You know, things like things happen in life. It's, you just have to deal with it. Don't take yourself so seriously. Don't take life so seriously. On the other end of the continuum, yes, you know, there are some serious elements and, you know, no one gets out alive. You know, it always ends the same way for absolutely everyone. We all die in the end. But don't take yourself so seriously. Have some fun have a bit of enjoyment. Imagine that you're playing like a little bit of banter with a kid and they're calling you a name and you're drinking from a little teacup or something like that. Have a bit of fun. It doesn't have to be serious all the time. And in terms of your identity and the way that you view yourself in the world, that can change in any moment. I know many athletes that get injured and all of a sudden they can't function at their best and they're like, well, what am I now? Now, there's so many things that could happen, so much adversity that can pop up have a bit of fun and have a bit of flexibility with how you view yourself, yeah? And if someone disagrees with you or you get a negative comment, you know, people, there's going to be trolls on the internet. I find this really funny. There was a woman that I I actually saw do a post recently in one of the, one of the groups. And she was saying that she was looking for work experience for her kid, her 16-year-old, hopefully working in digital marketing and he liked uh, things to do with videos and things like that. And I thought it was great that this kid, you know, instead of just going and working at the local coffee shop or Macca's, he wanted to go with something with his passion, and that his stepmom was actually out there trying to find him some assistance on social media. I think a great way to use social media. But you know what? There were some trolls out there. People popped up and said he needs to stop relying on mum to get him a job and all these things because obviously these people had never had anyone support them or take a chance on them or help them in any way, shape or form. But it just lets you know. And there was people that agreed with this person. There was like three or four people. I couldn't believe it. And I obviously spent probably the next half an hour, 45 minutes arguing with randoms on the internet, which was completely time-wasting, but a bit of fun. So, you know, very mature of me. But I came to defend this kid and this woman because, yeah, I just felt that it was the right thing to do. But, yeah, people, they just take themselves so seriously. Like people are going to, no matter what you do, someone's going to disagree with it. No matter how good it is, there's always going to be someone that thinks it's bad. If you go out there and try and sell something, there's going to be people that say you're a salesman. Everyone's a salesman. And if you have integrity of what you're selling, then that's fine because you're providing a service, you're buying a product or providing a product that is going to help people and you feel good about that. But there's still going to be someone out there that doesn't like it for whatever reason. Yeah, people don't like colours, people don't like songs, that's fine. So don't take yourself so seriously. As I say, some people didn't like Buddha, some people didn't like Jesus. People are not going to like you. Yeah. 128, you are over-prepared. I can say there are so many people out there that think they need the perfect plan before they take action. Usually, the opportunity disappears while they're making all these plans, and the plan always changes. From my experience, when you have enough tools and resources to move on a particular idea or opportunity, take action, and then as you're moving towards that, all the dots start to tee up. Yeah, you start dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, you start getting the next steps, the plan always changes. So the perfect plan that you don't do is pointless compared to the one that might be good enough that you can actually action right now. So for those of you that are looking, getting in health and fitness, people go, you know, I can't afford a gym membership or I can't afford a coach. Go for a walk, man. Go for a walk and then do some push-ups. do a plank. It's better than what you've been doing lately. Choose a salad once a day. Instead of doing it every day, start with changing your breakfast. There are things that you can do, and you'll make mistakes, and you'll learn. And when you get to a point that you need some extra support and you're more motivated and it becomes you know a real priority to you, then you can get some more help, read some books and stuff. But Really, just you don't need to be over-prepared. You don't need the perfect anything. You just need to start doing now. And I've never met a single person that says to me, you know, you know what? I'm really glad that I waited such a long time before I started doing that thing that I wanted to do or knew that I should be doing. I've never met one, ever. So if you're out there, please, you know, come forward and tell me. I'd like to hear from you. But my advice would be prepare enough to get the ball moving to get the ball rolling, to move the needle in the right direction and then adjust accordingly as you go. 128, you are problem focused. So many people out there, again, we're talking about the blessings and the problems, et cetera, and looking for things to be unhappy about. People are focused on the problem all the time. They're always going to find more problems. You need the people that have solutions. Yeah, We need solutions. You need to be goal-orientated and solution-focused, not problem-focused because you're always going to spot problems. And if your reticular activating system is always picking up problems, it's going to make you sound really smart, but it's really not going to lead to a lot of success. It's always going to be a reason for you not to move forward because it's not the right time. And you're risk-averse because this might happen and the clouds might have Some sort of catastrophe will happen along the way and you'll never end up doing anything because you're always looking for problems. Problems will pop up. It is inevitable that that will happen but you must be looking for solutions in the process so that you can continue to do the things anyway if there's something that you want to do or something that needs to be done and your circumstances make it difficult ask yourself is there someone out there that has managed to achieve it with similar circumstances to you or even worse circumstances to you and chances are they probably have what solutions did they use What worked for them? Talk to people out loud. Do some journaling, whatever, reflect. Because the mind is amazing at problem solving. So you can actually give it, like look for solutions as opposed to just seeing a problem and then just putting the too hard basket and using it as an excuse not to do the hard thing or the thing that you want to do. Look for solutions. There are always ways. And you can get a list of five or six. Choose the one that you can do immediately. Choose the one that you might need some help with. And whatever you can start moving forward. And then you'll continue to grow over time. So don't get me wrong. Problems are inevitable. But find solutions. Find a way to do the things that need to be done and the things that you want to do anyway. 129. You forget you are human. I get a lot of people that I work with that are high achievers. They think they're a robot man. And I have fallen into this trap myself sometimes. My body had been telling me, you know, uh, it was time to slow down for whatever reason. And I was just trying to find ways that I could speed up no matter what. It was like, how can I run off less sleep? Where can I put in an extra session of this? Like, And I know athletes that always fall victim into overtraining and they forget they actually need to recover and they don't get bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful in the actual training. That's the stimulation, the stimulus. But it's actually when they recover. So you're not a robot. You need to have some downtime. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say silly things. You're going to, you know, some days you're not going to feel motivated. Not every day is going to be a personal best. You are a human being and you're entitled to make some mistakes. Learn from them, grow, adapt, keep moving forward. But you're human and you forget that. Some of the kids that I work with, like – one of them in particular, i could got to give them a name drop here, Daris, I won't say your last name, but, you know, you're not a robot, man. You're, you're a machine, but uh, you're not a robot. You're going to make mistakes. Uh, everyone is going to make mistakes. This is part of it. Um, but through the learning, I see the guys like with boxers, for example, some of the athletes that I'm working with now, they're fighting and they're fighting again and they're just getting better. And, you know, they might, as long as they continue to improve, it's better than them, you know, they might have a setback and they just stop and they have that inactivity. There's no way for them to grow if they're just going to sit on the sidelines and lick their wounds. They need to continue moving forward. So allow yourself to be human. Allow yourself to make mistakes. Allow yourself to suck at the start. Allow yourself to have some catastrophes along the way and have some negative emotions and do some occasional silly things. Try and steer away from them as much as possible. But you are human. You aren't a machine. And you know what? Even machines make mistakes. There is still a margin for error with any machine. It happens. Number 130, you don't set boundaries. So with boundaries, you need to set boundaries for yourself. And these can also align with standards, things that you will accept in your life, things that, you know, some things might be worthwhile. So I know many people that, Maybe they work a job that they're not happy with, but it provides a lifestyle for them that they find acceptable and it fulfills a particular need. And they think the trade off is okay. I always encourage them to explore other avenues to still meet those needs. If there's other ways that they can start living a more happy, fulfilled, and successful life instead of just settling for this. But you know, if there's a trade off, like a lot of people trade time for money, and it might be the time that, is valuable to them because time is one of the only resources that we can never get back and it is limited but yeah the boundaries that you set in place you know what will you what will you accept what sort of treatment will you accept from other people what standards will you meet? what do you expect from your partners from your workplace uh, and in terms of that you can't force people to meet those standards but you can be selective on the people that you invite into your life So if you want to choose someone that, if you want a life of health and fitness, you should probably be choosing, you know, and I'm not saying anyone leave your partner now if they aren't aligned with these values. But if you have choices ahead of you where, you know, you haven't chosen a partner, for example, then you'd want to choose someone that probably has that as one of those values. Uh, In terms of a workplace, you shouldn't be working in a workplace that has super long hours A lot of night shift if you value work-life balance and you value spending time with family. There's a lot of travel time. It's not really going to suit you very well for your values. Maybe you're at a stage of your life where it's fine for you to do that and you're living alone and doing those things. But set boundaries in place. Will you work overtime? Are you rewarded for that? Put boundaries in place about how you expect to be treated. Number 131. You don't accept others. So we are just talking about boundaries and expectations and the way that we expect to be treated and how other people act, but also you have to accept other people. You are not their master. You are you, they are them. That is their life. This is your life. You need to focus on your life and have a high standard for yourself and a high expectation of what you do, not of other people. I've talked about this on other episodes where People have a higher expectation of the girl at the local coffee shop to provide them a coffee that's probably 16 and made three coffees in her life than they do of themselves, yeah? You need to accept other people. Now, you don't have to accept bad behavior, and you don't have to accept them being toxic or or in a way where they're having a negative impact on you intentionally. You do not need to accept that. And even if it was unintentional, you have the choice to walk away and choose not to engage with that person. You, know, you are the captain of your ship and you can choose where you spend your time. But you need to accept other people because they're human too and they have their own likes and dislikes and fears and flaws and goals and expectations and everything else as well. You need to accept them for who they are. Everyone deserves to be accepted and everybody is different. And that goes back to what we talked about with 116 about celebrating uniqueness, not just yours, but other people. Number 132, you expect it to be sunshine and rainbows. When it comes to this, I have talked about emotions in the past and I talk about this a lot at some of my presentations and in coaching sessions as well. There's going to be negative experiences. Negative experiences are a part of life. It's just the way it is. Negative emotions that come with them. They're also a part of life. If I could wave a magic wand and get rid of all the negative emotions, you know what, I probably wouldn't because without them, what would actually define a positive emotion? We'd have no continuum. We'd have no spectrum to understand what was positive and what was negative. And in all the negatives, there's always things that you can learn and it helps you appreciate the positive things. But ideally, we'd like to stack the odds in our favor to feel more positive emotions than negative emotions. But I'm a firm believer that we are all meant to experience the full spectrum of emotions as human beings. So yes, there will be challenges. Yes, there will be negative experiences. Yes, there'll be things that are dukkha, exists, which is unsatisfactoriness or suffering, uh, which is a term in Buddhism. It's a part of life. You have to accept that fact. It will not be all smooth sailing. You cannot change the weather, but you can learn to sail through it. That is something I'd like you to consider negative experiences, negative emotions, they're a part of the human experience. The sooner that you can embrace that and accept that and appreciate that for what it is and what you learn from it, and that also can come with part of your story, sharing, connecting with other people that have had similar experiences. And if you're going through an issue yourself, chances are someone else out there, there's a support group available, there's probably a Facebook group, there's all sorts of little meetups that you can attend to have that connection and relate to those negative experiences. And the support services like Hotline, Uh, hotlines obviously we've got beyond blue if you're struggling with mental health issues coaches etc so many different people out there that can help but yes negative emotions experience are a part of the deal number 133 you don't respect your vehicle when i say vehicle i'm talking about the vessel that you are in so the vehicle that you are in pretty much dictates how you experience life. It dictates what you can and can't do at any given time, the opportunities that you can pursue, where you can go, what you can do. And you know what? You don't have a lot of say over what that comes out as, as when you're born and how it develops based on your genetics, but you do have a lot of control over your epigenetics and what you do now. A lot of people out there are mistreating their bodies. They're not treating, they act like their body, you know, we can get a new one because you can't. It has to last you your entire life. If you're feeling pains and things like that, you should be looking for ways to improve that. And when I say improve it, I don't just mean take a painkiller or, you know, take an antihistamine or something you should be changing your diet. You should be getting some activity and you should be doing some strength training because there are many people out there scared of getting old, but there are blue zones where people are living to the age of 100 and above and they have a full healthy life. They're gardening, they're doing yoga, they're doing all these things and they're loving life because they're actually in a good place because they've taken care of their body. A lot of people on the other end of the continuum are exercising and they're thrashing their body. There's people putting themselves on performance-enhancing drugs. There are people out there that are over-training, the people that are doing things that are getting a lot of mileage and the body breaks down and then they don't have that full health span where they can enjoy the things they want to enjoy later in life. So you have a vehicle and that is your body and it's how you navigate through the world and it sort of gives you the ability to experience things and put yourself in different environments You need to take care of it and act like it actually matters. All right, so that was 133 and I have no more on the list and we have another 15 minutes to go. We are going to have to add some things in here. So we're going to talk about stress management. Stress management pops up a lot. We all experience stress in some sh- uh, way, shape or form. So there's things that you can look at like managing stress, ways to reduce stress in your life. So it could be stress from diet and the things that you take. It could also be from you know, uh, particular environments that you go in and I'm not telling you to avoid all uncomfortable situations because that is a part of growth. But if there's something that's particularly stressful that is unnecessary for your growth or your life, you probably can choose something else. Yeah, if you don't like public speaking, you can overcome that fear. If it's a part of your passion, you want to do it. But if there's something that doesn't interest you, then don't do it. But I, like if personally for me, I didn't like heights and I had to do everything to do with heights. I've done bungee jumping, I've done abseiling, I've done treetop <laughs> surfing, I did sky skydiving a couple of times. I've done all these things because I don't like heights. I don't like having things that I'm uncomfortable with, so I, I tend to do them. Yeah, I wouldn't become a skydiving instructor, but yeah, I still face stress. So with stress, when you manage stress, there are a lot of strategies that we can do. One, the, one of the easiest ones you can implement at any given time is actually breath work. We've talked. We've had many people come on talking about breath work, yoga teachers. We've had, uh, I think. A Venerable the Buddhist nun would have talked about breathwork meditation. We had Tanu that was talking about breathwork. We've had um, Martin Philomy who was a respiratory scientist and we talked about that. Uh, we've also had Bo that uh, does the breathwork experiences. So breathwork is such an important aspect. One of the simplest things that you can do is box breathing. Box breathing may be challenging for some people when it comes to the actual breath holds, but the air hunger, which it is known for, which comes from a breath hold, is actually a good thing. It actually builds your CO2 tolerance and helps you respond to stress better in the moment and lower your heart rate. So with box breathing, I've taught this to athletes, I've taught this to domestic violence victims, people using it in a supermarket, people using it before they have to perform at a sporting event, people just out and about fixing fences or driving in the car. It's a tool that you can use absolutely anywhere and no one needs to know that you are doing it. So I'm going to talk you through it. The concept is you breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four. Four seconds and you continue this four, six, ten times or up to minutes at a time or just ongoing to regulate your breath and your state that comes with it. With that process, there is another thing to look at, which is assessing functional breathing. So if you are doing this, but you are excessively mouth breathing, if you are chest breathing and breathing very hard and forcefully, it's probably not gonna have a calming uh, calming effect on your nervous system. You wanna be doing this in a relaxed state with functional breathing. So something to consider with this would be breathing light, Breathing so light that you can barely feel the hairs on your nose actually move and breathing so light that no one in the room can hear it. So not for four seconds, just breathing. Holding. Breathing out light and slow when you do this you also don't want to be chest breathing that's associated with people having a panic attack and a high stress so you'd like to be doing diaphragmatic breathing so below the rib cage or even belly breathing so when we do this simple way to do it would be to put your hand on your belly and then breathe in for four seconds one two three four hold one two three four out one two three Four, hold one two three four and you repeat that process breathing light breathing slow we have some air hunger from the breath holds and we're also having expansive in the rib cage breathing some people say deep we're meant to do deep breathing but when they say deep they really don't mean big deep chest breath they actually mean Deep lower belly, lower part of the lungs breathing. So your rib cage is expanding instead of your chest and shoulders moving up and down. So with the box breathing, again, you can do that anytime, anywhere. If that is uncomfortable for you with the breath hold, some people that have experienced severe trauma, maybe they have their ex-smokers or something and the air hunger is just intolerable. Something you actually can do would be just having A 10 second breath, so breathing in for 4 seconds, breathing out for 6. When your exhale is longer than your inhale, it actually calms the nervous system and it lowers the heart rate. It's one of the simplest ways for you to calm down. Again, no one will even know that you're doing this. I coach a lot of people that are sitting at their desk and they do this and they have no idea. No one around them is aware that they're doing it and it's a simple way for them to calm themselves down. You can do it in the car. So ideally, you'd be getting six breaths per minute and that is probably the ideal rate of breathing. A lot of people out there are mouth breathers that are breathing significantly, a lot more breaths in a minute and a lot of very shallow breathing. So one last thing that we will do because we do have a little bit more time is we're going to do a bit of a mash-up, a bit of a down-regulation. Now, in terms of down-regulation, is an essential component for everyone. Everyone should be down-regulating. Now, there's many methods to do this. So many ways, you've got yoga nidra, you've got meditation, you've got breath work. They're all forms of a down-regulation. Some people even consider things like prayer, to be a complementary practice, which all have similar effects on the nervous system and tell the body that you are safe and that you are okay. So it's great for trauma, great for people with anxiety, great for any of those negative experiences. But also with downregulation, you actually don't form new neural pathways and uh, solidify memories when you are learning something. So for anyone out there that's studying or in uni or anything like that, or learning a language, you're not retaining that information while you do it. The new neural pathways are actually solidified and created when you're in the parasympathetic nervous system so usually when you're asleep or you are in the rest and digest system so that can be done through regular down regulation also people that are athletes don't get bigger stronger faster more powerful when they're actually training in the gym it is when they are resting and digesting in the parasympathetic nervous system so having this factor where they have the adaptations whether it's be mentally or physically and just calming the body everyone should be doing it so things like yoga nidra Body scans, breath work, meditation, whatever you can choose many methods. Uh, up to you, find one that works for you. We're going to do a bit of a mash up, which is a combination of a yoga nidra, bit of yoga nidra, which is also known as non-sleep deep rest. Bit of a body scan also has an element of a military practice that people use to be able to fall asleep at any moment. So you can look that up. You can actually fall asleep under two minutes and train your brain to actually do that, which is similar to a body scan, similar to yoga nidra, uh, with some breathwork practices and a little bit of mindfulness. So this is an introduction. I invite you to sit in the chair if you have access to one. And if you are comfortable to do so, close your eyes. Because we want to bring some awareness to the breath I'm going to encourage you to place one hand on your belly so that you can monitor where you are breathing. Like what we were saying before, breathing light, breathing slow, breathing deep through the nose. Feeling your belly rise and fall with each breath. Bring in your awareness to the sensations in your forehead. Relaxing all your muscles in your forehead. Moving that awareness down to your eyes, relaxing all the muscles in your eyes. Moving that awareness down to your jaw, relaxing your jaw. your neck shoulders upper arms lower arms hands and fingers. Bringing your awareness to the sensations in your chest and relaxing all your muscles in your chest and upper back. Your belly. Your hips. Upper leg. Lower leg. Feet. And the lights are just. And toes. Bring in your awareness to all the points of contact that you can make with the chair or the floor. Bring in your awareness to the sound furthest away from you. and the sound closest to you. Inhaling deeply through the nose and on the long, slow exhale through the mouth, feel your whole body sink into the chair. And when you're ready, open your eyes and return back to the room. So for those of you that have been looking into meditation, mindfulness, downregulation, regulation et cetera, and put it in the to-do list, now you actually just did it. That is an excellent stress management strategy. Obviously, we have the other tool, which is box breathing, where you can actually apply something in real, in the moment because you can't always just duck off to the car to meditate. So you have two strategies that you can use to significantly help you with managing stress. There are many other things like hormesis, which we can discuss in later episodes. But if you want to know more about regulating emotions, regulating stress, anything like that, leave me a comment. Let me know that you've enjoyed this and we'll do more of it and I'll get more guests on to talk about methods that you can implement in your life. So stay tuned for next week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks again, everyone. Hi, this is Matt Gao, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio, and uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community, so check out Radio Karam, tune in. If you're go Karam, just, just, just call Mitchell Tall, or, or in Patterson Lakes, just call Mitchell Tall. Anywhere Bayside, just call Mitchell Tall. Buy a seven sell house, just call Mitchell Tall. tall. Mitchell tall, tall, tall. Real estate. Oh yeah, real little real, real estate. estate. <laughs> we want more. We <laughs> <laughs> did we done it. One take.